Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. This week's free podcast is an edited version of a recent training Paul and Rebecca did on disciple-making communities. To hear the full unedited version of the podcast with even more great information about disciple-making communities and how they fit in with the Legacy Church, follow Paul's directions on becoming a Patreon supporter. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can download the CDM app. Come join the growing platform where you can access our praying community of disciple makers and learn from our podcasts, blogs, and videos that will help you know how to make disciples in your life and ministry. While you're on there, you can support this podcast by following the link to our Patreon. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers like you as you transform your communities with the gospel of the kingdom. And as a thank you, those who give at least $5 a month will have access to our premium content that dives even deeper into the challenges and tips for disciple making. When we're talking about disciple making communities, it's it's all about actually getting people to do the things that we're talking about. You know, for me, uh, when I first got into uh, ministry, it was all about the purview of how do I get other people, help other people, help other Christians actually be a part of the Great Commission locally, as well as to get involved in all the issues and problems that are in their city. How can we be able to do that? And we, you know, the people that I were with were doing a lot of the typical methods of doing a bunch of trainings, rallies, conferences, you know, that kind of thing, handing out resources and and stuff like that. And we just realized that, uh, you know, it just wasn't working. It just, you know, people got excited you know, maybe even did a couple of things if it were was a multi-month training. But then after that, everything just kind of petered back out the way it is. Because what I was learning at that particular point was that if we don't have some kind of community or mechanism that helps us say, this is what I'm going to do this week. This is what I'm going to do next week in order to be able to make disciples and, and or to do good in our communities then it's, it just gets shoved to the side because it's not a part of our lives. It's not a part of the things that we do. And so we have to learn to incorporate that in. And so, you know, a lot of you guys have perhaps have heard about the Discovery Bible Study, obviously, and that's why you're here. That some, some of you are, are very familiar with that. And so we have had a lot of people that just try to do that only with their co- church communities saying like, if we just do this only with our communities, then we'll suddenly have the same kind of results that other people have seen. Uh, but what we have noticed is that as we, as Christians who are already been Christians for a while, do discovery Bible study, you know, we come at it at a different angle than people who have been, you know, who have who are just coming to know Jesus and learning new habits through doing him. And so that means where we realize that we're going to need to have some extra helps and tools to help guide people in the right direction. To give an idea about that is that we would get uh, people, we would ask the question, uh, you know, who do you, in the discovery Bible study, who, you know, that you can share this story with. And the believers that attended churches that were trying to do this would just look with a blank stare. 
I mean, they just, I mean, completely blank expression because they really, they did not or know. Or a fearful expression. Like- and fearful, like, oh no, you know. And we can tell that they were imagining that the only person that they knew who didn't know Jesus was the UPS man. And they were trying to do the calculations of whether they could run fast enough to tackle him before he got out of the front yard in order to hold him down and tell a story. So the disciple making community was designed uh, in part to address that issue of what do we do when we're working with people who don't have relationships with lost people outside of, you know, uh, outside of or anybody outside the church. And so that was one of the reasons we developed the disciple making community. So we, we wanted to come up with a system to be able to help people. Uh, help Christians be able to operate as a community to to really become disciple makers through this process. And but we want but understand, guys, whenever we talk about daily habit, weekly habits that anybody can do that you want ultimately to be reproduced, it has to first be simple. It can't be something that is overly complicated and in nature that takes people with a high, you know, education or, you know, a, a lot of barriers in order to be able to do, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you were to try, if, how many of you guys read the book, Contagious Disciple Making? You know, how many of you guys, though, would say tomorrow, if we asked you to give a, you know, in depth, what the entire book said in an hour, how would you, how many of you would feel confident in being able to do that? Everybody's like, yeah, no, I would feel very uncomfortable with doing that, despite the fact that I read this book, you know, type of thing. And so, again, we don't want we don't want things to be overly complicated. So it needs to be simple. And here's the other one. It needs to be repeatable. So it's something that every week we're doing the same things to help us to be able to get on track or else it's not a habit or else it's not something that we go through the motions and do to be able to make progress. Because without a doubt, guys, is there creativity needed to be able to make disciples? Absolutely. But ultimately, there's consistency needed to be able to make disciples. It's, there's just some things we have to be doing day, week in, week out, day in, day out, to be able to see the fruit we want to see. Just as a reminder for you guys, we have a lot of different uh, resources inside of our app. Um, so this is for both. Um, this is for both for the idea that not only is there under learn disciple making and DMC resources stuff inside there, but also anything that in which, like for instance, if you're talking about prayer or about engagement or you know the DBS itself, there's categories all for that too. So all of these are categorized different resources for you to be able to use. Okay, so. Here's the big premise of disciple-making community as opposed to a class or a training on disciple-making. So, it, you know, obviously somebody in the, in the room has to really understand disciple-making in order to be able to do this. But the fact is, is that for, we want to be able to make this something in which we're mobilizing people to do disciple-making rather than just informing them or encouraging them to go and make disciples from this. So encouraging would be something like the idea of preaching. You guys go, you do this or whatever, or like, here's a resource, hope you go do it. You know, like fingers crossed. 
you know, whereas in mobilizing is actually facilitating the action of doing it. It's actually guiding those people into actions of actually doing it together. We have a prayer and fasting guide. And I really hope that all of you guys are, are doing it within your own communities and, and starting to help others. But there's a difference between merely handing it off to somebody and saying, hope you do this versus actually doing it with people and or telling them to hand it off to do it with somebody else and then saying, so how did that go? And walking people through actually the fact they've done it and how to be able to do it better. Because the ultimately disciple making movement or what causes movement movement is about action, is about doing something in response to what we're, we believe rather than just saying we believe it. It's, uh, it's more than just learning more information about God. It's about doing the things as well, saying, I believe, but what do I do in response and who do I share it with? And this is the same idea with this. And so we're not uh, about having just classes that about disciple making within our runs or just plain reading the book without the idea of what do we do in response to this? every single week. So we multiply habits. We multiply habits of making disciples primarily and not just so that we can have mere attendance or or like we're just reading through the next chapter together. We're trying to actually get to get to the doing. And so that's why everything that we're doing has to be simple. Has to be something that our 80-year-old grandmother and our 15-year-old uh, brother can do. I mean, this is, this is something that all of us can be able to do together. And the best kind of mobilization is inviting others to join us in the journey. So in other words, it's something we do together. Yeah, I particularly like this idea in our in our day and age. We're not looking at a training. When you get up in front of somebody, you try to do a training. Everyone expects you to be the answer person and to be able to answer every single question you might face in that training. So, I mean, literally, they will. We should know. We, we know. Should know. Yeah, we exactly. just don't do it. <laughs> we, we know that. And they'll sit there and they'll say, well, what does this say about the doctrine of atonement? What does this say about the doctrine of substitutionary, you know, I mean, it, it, or adoption and all of that kind of stuff? I mean, they will ask you these questions. And if you purport yourself to be a trainer, then they are, they expect that you'll be able to answer questions like this. So, but what I like about, about mobilization this way is it's saying, hey, I am learning some new habits that I'm embedding into my life. And I'm inviting you to do this with me. And by it being a group of people focused on action, it never puts the, the pressure of being a trainer on you. It, and, it, and it keeps people from being sucked into rabbit trails uh, that are determined by whatever um, you know, perspective they're bringing into the room. So what we're going to be doing is focusing on activity tools or elements of a disciple-making community rather than on, on educational material. As we've said, that, that facilitates and directs simple actions that become habits, and it makes it easy for it to pass on. So we, we do the same tools every time, just like a discovery Bible study. We follow the same process every time, and that way people can reproduce it as they move ahead. So there are three tools specifically that we use in a disciple-making community. By the way, 
If your disciple-making community does not have these three tools in it, it's not a disciple-making community, okay? It's something else. This is what we use to determine whether something's a Bible study or an encouragement group or a disciple-making community. First of all, it has what we have prayer tools, and we use, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but the prayer tools in there, that one that you're all familiar with is a prayer calendar. The goal, and we'll talk about the goal here in just a second. The second uh, element of it is the Discovery Bible Study process itself. We want everybody to be familiar with the Discovery Bible Study process, both following it in their own lives and in being able to reproduce it among the lost. The third one is our conversation quadrant. So the conversation quadrant tools that focuses on helping people engage the lost and gives you an environment where you can celebrate one another and pray and even plan and troubleshoot it ways to engage. So all three of those tools are part of what we do. So, and just to, just to, to clarify this first piece, when it comes to prayer calendar, it's all about mobilizing prayer and, and everything. So we're this, even this particular part is being developed to help us realize that we may have other tools also to help us mobilize and experience prayer, but that, that but this is our basic one that needs to be used with everything. Yeah. So getting prayer into people's everyday lives, we want to get prayer outside the walls of the church. We want to get prayer away from just being around the dining room table at uh, meal times. And we want it to make it away from being an isolated thing to being a, a community thing, a together thing. And so that's what the whole focus of the prayer calendar is. Just a simple tool of calling one person per day and asking them some, a series of questions. How are you doing? Is there anything going, I mean, what do you've got going on? Is there anything you need? In addition to all of that, how can I be praying for you? And then being willing to follow up with the things that you pray with to be uh, pray for so that you can see if they have been answered or not. But it doesn't just stop there. The idea is after you've done it and the members of your disciple making community have had a prayer calendar over a month or two, that you'll identify people within your prayer calendar who seem to be enthusiastically embracing the process, and you can help them develop prayer calendars as well, and then thereby grow the network of people who are praying together. But this is not a network in terms of an email list that is non-relational. This is a highly relational network of people who know one another and are praying for each other that has the potential to grow and grow and grow because you're asking them to do one simple habit. And guys, when we're talking about the, the additional benefits over time is that they'll be asking you, how can I pray for you? And then your answer could be, well, I'm about ready to, to engage with my neighbor tomorrow and, and, and invite them over for dinner. Could you pray that we would have some good conversation? And so now you can, it can ask them to, to pray for different prayer requests for you as you're trying to make disciples uh, together. And even through this process over time, as you call the same people over a month's per time period uh, and, and over the months, that gives you further opportunities to talk about what you're doing. And many people that we know have started their disciple-making communities from the people that they have started calling and praying for inside of their prayer calendars. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is, is if they don't take the time to ask you how they can pray for you, uh, I get a little bit more 
Texan, I should say, with them. And oh, no. uh, the way that they, the way that that looks is, is I sit there and I say, how are you doing? You know, what do you got going on this week? How can I pray for you? All right. Do you have time to pray right now? We pray. And then I'll just look at them and say, hey, you know, I've got this thing coming up where I'm going to be engaging someone who doesn't know Jesus, or I'm going to be running a discovery Bible study, or I'm going to be doing a train, whatever it may be. I'll just sit there and look at them and say, do you mind if, could you pray for that when you sit down and have lunch today or when you grab your coffee, you know, and that puts that request relationally in their hands so that next time we talk to them and I'm following up with them, I can also come back and say, so, so I look at them and say, how did it go? How, how did God answer the things that we prayed for? Oh, well, let me tell you how God answered your prayers for that meeting I was going to have with this person who doesn't know Jesus. And so that helps to seed that if it doesn't come naturally into the conversation. So the next one, guys, is having to do with discovery Bible study. Now, again, um, do we, there is nothing that we can fully simulate within other believers of the discovery Bible study that is going to be exactly like doing it with people who don't yet know Jesus. There's just something different about it. And, and when you start being able to help people who don't know Jesus do discovery Bible study, you'll see what we're talking about. There's so much more of a, of a, a, a being able to really see how the scriptures change their lives and that willingness to do so. And some of the things that they discover, you're like, whoa, you know, it's really something that the Holy Spirit is teaching them. And they're not just simply parroting things that they've heard before or thoughts that they've heard before or something like that. And so, like I said, there's just, there's nothing like that. So what we're going to be using as believers, this discovery Bible study is helping us really shift in a few areas. Number one is shifting the way that we read the Bible. You know, so, you know, one of the things we're used to doing when we read the scripture together is we talk about all the deep theological systematic doctrine and insights and things like that, or maybe the feelings that it makes us feel, you know, all those different types of stuff. And the question, and the, and our, our goal is to now start breaking it down to be much more simple and so that we can simply obey a passage now that we can say, God is telling me that I need to change in this way, which is the second thing, which is when we, after we finish talking, which is more about getting to what God is simply trying to tell us in this passage to what, so then how should we change? It needs to be something that is very practical, something that is doable, something that we can actually physically do within the next 24 hours or week and take it out of the abstract and theoretical, you know, I want to believe God more. I want to trust him more. I will keep this in mind. We want to keep it out of the broad categories. I need to be more loving. Well, that's great. Well, how are we going to get started? You know, how can we change specifically in order to be able to do that? So it helped so we, we change our habits in that. And then the third thing is we actually start helping people. One of the things that gets the most overlooked in a discovery Bible study with other believers is the how do we help people in our community? How do we meet the needs of the people in our community? And a lot of times, a lot of time is eaten up you know, discussing, you know, saying like, we don't know what the, the, the needs are, or we have to have a 20 point plan in order to be able to do one simple thing. 
and saying like, well, let's just try, start by trying to do something simple each week for someone who is outside of this group within our communities. And that gives us a great opportunity to be able to be out and about those who don't know Jesus. There's actually three parts of a discovery Bible study that allow it to reproduce. And you need all three of them there. And we've got to teach Christians to have um, those habits in their life. First of all, they need to obey the passage. As people observe them obeying the passage, it gives them an opportunity to talk about what what the Lord is doing and why they're doing what they're doing. Second of all, they need to share the story with someone else. Not teach them a Bible study, just share the simple story as part of who, of what they're doing, a part of their everyday life. And then thirdly, um, they need to be helping people in the community because that will cause people in the community to ask, why are you helping? And then and then give a chance to give that testimony of why I'm doing that. So it's important for Christians to learn these habits. So, so uh, having said the sharing the st- stories part, that leads us really to the third one, because that's why this particular part is there, the conversation quadrants, to help us with the sharing of the stories. Mm-hmm. Again, this is another area in which we're going to have to shift our our normal ways of talking to people about Jesus. We've been taught primarily to be very at times somewhat preachy or that we were taught to uh, try to convince them to come to some type of religious service or to do something religious. Uh, we're, we're told to have to like give a God, a fully in, uh, encompassed gospel presentation in so many minutes and hopes that they will pray that very moment to know Jesus. And so, but if we're not going to do those things, because our hope is to help them read the Bible for themselves and go this process of discovery, we now have to learn how to just do things more simply and naturally within conversation of sharing these stories from the Bible. And that's why we use the conversation quadrants to help us get to the point to where we're realizing how all this works. And it allows us to help uh, develop relationships with people to where we're not barely knowing them and then trying to give them a, you know, bring them to the foot of the cross. Within a few minutes, we're trying to, to go through a process of helping them engage the word. So the conversation quadrant is a tool that Paul came up with to be able to help groups and individuals track their conversations and also and pray over them as they're trying to seek these kind of conversations. The other thing that it does is it creates an opportunity for your group to plan together. So for example, if you wrote that I'm going to be uh, doing a, you know, I had a, I had a meaningful conversation with Maria on, uh, you know, and, and that was a great one. Then the group could come back and say, oh, where did you meet Maria? How do you know her? And when are you going to have a chance to see Maria again? And so you might go, oh, or the next group, they might go, hey, did you have a chance to talk to Maria again? I know that last time we were together, you said that you uh, had met her and had a meaningful conversation. And you can go, no, man, I did. I, I didn't go by the coffee shop. And so then in your mind, you can go, I need to go get a coffee. And then at such and such a time in order to see Maria again and to further our conversation. So it's that celebration tool to celebrate how you've been engaging the lost. It's a awareness tool to make you aware of the times when you have engaged people who don't know Jesus. It's a prayer tool where you're praying for one another as you're engaging the lost. 
And it's a planning tool where you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, how can I plan to be around this person again in a way that will allow relationship and conversation to go deeper? And so guys, when we're talking about the conversation quadrant, first off, there is a video inside of the app if you look under CDM videos, it's right there. You can watch it and share it with your friends as a quick you know, explanation as to what it is. But essentially it allows us to be able to see how our conversations go from casual to meaningful to then spiritual with, and to discovery conversations. And the difference between spiritual and discovery is that discovery is when we're actually starting to share a story from the Bible and letting them be able to experience that and talk about it and then have the opportunity to say is like, you know, the, why don't you share this with your friend and see what they have to say about it? And so now it's being shared beyond them. And the idea is that after we've had several discovery conversations, that's we several had several times of sharing stories and people have been, you know, uh, receptive to that and sharing it with their friends, we can offer them to start a discovery Bible study with them and the very people that they're sharing the stories with after they've talked to us. And so that, you know, what, how, however you can do this as a group is that you just simply put it up on, on a board or on a piece of paper somewhere, draw out the four quadrants, write the categories and talk about the various conversations that you've had throughout the week and put, write their names within the quadrants they relate to. And then you guys can be able to plan and say, well, how we're going to do this. And then we together as a group, pray for each name and saying, Lord, will you help us be able to have now a meaningful conversation with Bob, not just a casual one and so on and so forth throughout the things. And what's really fun is over the weeks as you do this consistently. So again, guys, it's powerful because it's done consistently every week following up and being able to, to see this. You'll see those names Go through the go, go through the conversation quadrants. You'll see names go from casual, meaningful, spiritual to discovery. As we consistently engage, pray for, and intentionally to look for situations in which we can have deeper conversations. I will never forget a time when I had been doing a disciple-making community with a group in Redmond, Oregon for several months. And we finally had graduated from using uh, pink disposable napkins at a dining room table to being able to use a flip chart with sticky notes. And one of the younger members of the group came up to me afterward. He said, Paul, when we got started with doing this, we had hardly anybody on the conversation quadrants. And the ones we did were all casual. Now, after about a year of doing this, we're all of our conversations are down in spiritual and discovery uh, sections too. And I said, even better than that, I was able to lay down the napkins, four months worth of napkins and sit there and show them how certain names had made the full progression from casual to meaningful to spiritual and discovery. And the worship that, that came out of that moment when they saw God answering their prayers and meeting them at their point of hard work was in an incredible moment for that group. So, you know, guys, when it comes to this, I know that many people in our community say, oh, well, I've heard a lot about the conversation quadrants. But like I said, it's good to remind us how powerful they are in helping us be able to stay track. And also just to let you know, inside of our app again, Learn Disciple Making Engagement Resources, you can find a lot of podcasts lately that we've been coming out on further ways to be able to help know better how to have conversations 
using the conversation quadrants. Mm -hmm. So in other words, as you're talking as a group, how you can be able to coach people and having better conversations using the different, using the quadrant. So guys, you know, the idea is that you would have kind of three different sections of your, your uh, DMC in which the first one would be focused on the prayer aspect, uh, celebrating stories of how you've mobilized prayer and the answers to it. Also, if you plan on praying, which, you know, nowadays we're really hoping people will, and then, which we'll get to just a second, following up on the last week's commitments and maybe getting to talk about serving each other in the community. And then the next third will be on the passage itself, the uh, I will statements, the sharing and all that different type of stuff, talking about that. And that which leads us into the third quadrant where it's talking about how are we going, who have we talked to, how are we going to see them again, who else can we see, and how can we pray over those conversations? So again, it's supposed to be this, this regular, what we do each week. And But the thing is, is that uh, we want to make sure that we have enough time to be able to go through all the things. You know, I know we as Americans like to try to make things as efficient and short as possible. Well, the thing is, is that if we make it too short, then we're hamstringing what we're trying to do. And so we want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to answer each question, to be able to, to talk uh, uh, about each thing and what they're going to do moving forward. If there's not enough time to go through all the things and to do that, there's not enough time. And so we need to make sure that there's enough. And and I have had a lot of people ask me, how often should we uh, you know, uh, meet as a DMC? Well, I've, I've tried many different things. I've coached many different ways. And I'm, I'm just going to have to tell you, I'm sorry, this is my recommendation every week. Yep. You can maybe have a break for like hol- for a holiday or something like that or whatever. But if you don't, if you meet every other week and certainly every month, it's just not enough follow-up to make sure the habits are being done in every week as they go through. Uh, that's just how we are as humans. We have to have something every week to help us be able to say, what am I doing this week? What am I doing this week? What am I doing this week in order to be able to do that? You know, Mark, as our, as our residential athletic coach here would be able to tell you that the way to improve in athletics is not to only work out every other week. You have to work out every week. If you want to make progress in your health, if you want to make progress in athletics and even more importantly, to make progress in your walk with the Lord and obeying his commands. And so we need we need to meet every week to make that happen. It, it also solves a lot of problems that uh, we've been able to identify too. So we may have extra tools that we would bring in and we do. And, and this is why we coach disciple making communities. This is why we create further resources because there's some extra things that we can do along the way to put on top of that, you know, there's more things we can put in the taco to make it even tastier and more hey, effective. Guacamole. <laughs> so one of these lately that been really, we've been really promoting is the prayer and fasting guide. Uh, if you are starting with your DMC or maybe even just continuing and you're wanting to have, uh, to see more progress and a deeper commitment to the things of what these are, then consider praying through uh, and, and fasting. Uh, before each time you meet, even if it's just one meal during the day, 
you know, uh, fast and come together. And after you celebrate interest of prayer, pray through one of the uh, the uh, scriptures of the uh, the, pr- the pr- fasting and prayer guide. And through this, God changes us and helps us to be able to hear him more clearly as to what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to engage. Uh, the next thing is the four areas of engagement. So this is something that I really encourage people to do at least once a quarter at the very least. And when I say that is because each season has its own rhythms, has its own opportunities to develop relationships with those that don't know Jesus and and our communities. And so the four areas of engagement are hobbies, volunteering, vocation, and lifestyle. And you look at these four different areas and ways and you say, how can we now engage more through these different ways? It allows us to be able to brainstorm. So guys, maybe taking one particular um, meeting per uh, one or two meetings per quarter to say, okay, guys, Let's just spend a lot of time um, brainstorming what we're going to do over the next few months to really engage those that don't know Jesus. And let's brainstorm using these overall categories. And another uh, tool that can help is also one that is a worksheet that we have inside of our um, app. It's underneath engagement resources. So it's it's good for both the analog people and the techie people. So you can look at the questions and be able to write out the answers if you want on a separate page. Or if you're if what's really cool is you can click within the the uh, worksheet there and type out some answers and email them to yourself and also maybe to a leader or somebody else. And, and can you imagine as a leader seeing an email now with all the different answers of the people that have been filling this out and being able to help talk to each other on that? But really what it does is inside this, it guides you through the process of who do I know already? What are my typical fall or summer or spring activities that I like to do? What are some um, celebrations or festivals that happen during this time? You know, and it walks you through to help you really think about and brainstorm these various areas. Yeah. And even thinking about creating festivals, you know, like I know that Christmas, uh, that uh, Thanksgiving is coming up both for, I believe, for Canadians, but also for um, uh, our Americans as well. So you start thinking about, are there, um, can we make another one? So if Thanksgiving is mostly our family, then why don't we make a Friendsgiving like the weekend before? And just sit there and invite all of our friends over for Friendsgiving and, and everything. And they're like, oh, and so now it's not competition for with their family, but it's still an opportunity to get together. And guess what? They feel really special that you've been inviting, you, you've invited them to Friendsgiving. Consider what your next steps are in starting your own disciple making community. And if you already have one, maybe this helps you realize like, oh, I maybe need to something more here and there to help us keep in, in rhythm in this. Because remember, a great system for a disciple-making community is simple things that we're doing each week in order to be able to keep ourselves on track and, and, and learning and making progress forward. And one of our goals at Contagious Disciple Making is to be is to get you into an online community uh, when you first get involved, but then very quickly in the first year to year and a half, get you plugged in to a, a local offline disciple making community, because that's going to be so much more helpful 
to you and to furthering the gospel within your context. And then now you can do, you can continue with our online community, getting to being able to learn from each other and network and work together on these things. To hear the full unedited version of the podcast with even more great information about disciple-making communities and how they fit in with the Legacy Church, follow Paul's directions on becoming a Patreon supporter. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you've been listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. Uh, We will be back after the break with our premium content. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description. Thanks for listening to the CDM Podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. If you're listening in the CDM app, you can click below or you can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app.